to get the food and she stayed outside and as soon as I heard what was happening I, I ran out I dropped the bag and I ran out and and I just started hitting him so you stepped in to help your friend is that it I wanted to kill him sir yeah but he was actually hurting the girl right hmm? I picked up a pipe that was on the ground and I ran over I hit, I hit him twice in the head as hard as I could all right listen I'm, I'm gonna go get a tape recorder all right and I'm gonna be right back Stay put. Chad. Yeah. The boy is not helping himself out in there. Yeah, what, what, what exactly are you doing? We're going home. We, we really weren't done talking in there, so. We just need to go and figure some things out, son. There's okay. not really anything to figure out, Dad. I, I was, I'm, I'm here to confess, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. And we didn't finish what we were talking about, so if you, if we please go back in here when you need Son, listen to me. Detective Tambor's trying to help you out here. I, I, I don't need to be helped out. I need, I, need, I need you to come back in here so I can finish telling you what, what, what it is. Listen, going I'm not going to go anywhere. Going I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I, I came here to confess, and I, that's exactly what I'm, I'm not, I'm not we're going. going. Oh, I'm going home now. I'm going. I'm not going to tell anyone I'm going. I love you, bud. Let's go home. Okay, wow. So that is a really amazing introduction to this episode. And obviously, as an opening scene to this episode of Friday Night Lights. So. What did you think of this scene when when you first watched this? It had to be such an emotional one, like this emotional roller coaster, watching him in, in such agony, you know, in this confession scene. It's so intense because all he wants to do is confess and accept his fate, but no one is letting him truly confess what he wants to say. They're trying to subtly not so subtly manipulate him into saying what would get him out of you know any prison time and which essentially is kind of twisting his arm and he just wants somebody to you know talk to him about this because he he needs somebody to talk to about this because he's been bottling it up for months and it's just heartbreaking to watch like him like fall apart it's it's really hard to watch but it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, he's trying to do the right thing in this situation here. And the right thing for him is is confessing because really what this comes down to for Landry, it, it's not just about doing what he considers to be the right thing. Um, it's about the guilt, really, uh, that he's feeling. 
he's been living with this guilt for months now, like you said, and to try and live with that on a daily basis and feel like he got away with something is just too much for him. And last week, meeting with the brother of the victim really changed everything. I think for a while there, things were getting back on track. Unfortunately, meeting with the the brother of the victim, it put a face to the family that was left behind. So, you know, that is more guilt for Landry, you know, because he... It's one thing to look at the person, this guy, and just see a monster. And, and a that's, drifter. Right, a drifter and somebody, you know, a monster. But but then you watch in last week's episode, the brother talking about how, you know, he did want, you know, nice things and, and he has a family and they, they loved and cared about him. And, you know, obviously now they're admitting to, you know, what he did and they can't get away from that. But Landry has to confront the fact that even though this person did some truly heinous and awful things at the same time, it's not all that he was. And sometimes it's easy to just push any of that aside and look at somebody as just one thing, pure evil. You know, it makes it easy. You know, you don't see a person, you just see, you know, a two dimensional evil creature. Black and white. Black and white, right. And whereas in this, you know, Landry is forced to confront the fact that this was a person who left behind a, you know, family who loved and cared about him and he loved and cared about his family too. Unfortunately, he just had some, you know, some, I don't know, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking Fucked for? Up some demons? De- deviant behavior, some things he, he felt he had to do. He was, you know... Um, compelled to do and that just meant hurting and you know other people at women poor decision making right so but I mean what this comes down to though ultimately is that Landry the guilt just just was back and he couldn't escape it this time and uh, that's what led to this confession scene and it's heartbreaking it really is to see him in the face of his own father valiantly want to go back into that confession room or that interrogation room and continue knowing full well that in doing so he was consigning himself to, you know, probably many years in prison. Yeah. And watching his father, you know, take him out of the um, police center place uh, and Landry just, almost begging to go back and have his confession and in tears i mean it broke my heart he did such an amazing performance in this scene like it's the best acting i've seen this whole season is that one scene where he's being almost like pushed and dragged down that hallway yeah it takes uh it takes a special kind of actor to do a scene like that it's full of emotion which does give you a lot to you know to chew on a lot of, you know, to work with, um, you, you can have this kind of emotional explosive scene. Um, but you still have to do it justice and do it in the right way. And just because you have a lot to chew on as an actor, doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to do it well. 
And you're right, this is a really phenomenal scene here because it's just so charged with so many uh, warring emotions. You know, there's there's anger at himself for what he did. There's guilt for what he did. There is the um, that whole, you know, knowledge of the fact that in, you know, confessing his crimes, he'll go to prison. But that whole... Um, you know, I feel like lighting the lightening the burden of what he's carrying around on a daily basis just by telling somebody the truth, and and not his father, not Tyra, who obviously was there, like wanting to get actual justice, and if that meant being thrown in prison, he was okay with that, and and it's such a hard thing to watch, and he did such a good job here. It really is uh, amazing. Yeah, it truly is, because having that bottled up inside and just boiling over, it's maddening. And I'm pretty sure he felt he was on the brink of a waterfall of just tipping over into insanity or doing what he sees is the right thing and confessing. And the people he cares about are pushing him back towards the waterfall. <laughs> and he doesn't know what to do. Like, he can only except what people are telling him. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a second. So, hello, everybody. Uh, obviously, <laughs> we kind of, uh, you know, we started this episode a little different. We usually start out with an introduction, but because of the way this scene happened in the show, because it really it starts out with this cold open with a confession, uh, I felt like it was a great way, you know, starting out this episode of Friday Night Mics with that audio and talking about that scene because... It's such a compelling and very emotionally charged scene, and I wanted to just kind of dive right in. So, uh, yep, so we're back here, obviously, for another episode, and uh, this continues our uh, second season of the uh, Friday Night Lights. And uh, this is really, really a great episode. Um, it's It's kind of like an episode which signals, at least to me, that the show is getting back on track after having a few episodes uh, lately, the last couple episodes, in particular for me at least, uh, were not the the show's best, and I feel like we're now headed back in the right direction. Yeah, so, it's a step forward, absolutely, uh, and and not just like you know the Landry story, of course, is the centric story, but all the other characters' stories are starting to feel like they're breaching normality again and yeah of sane quality not the craziness that they've been doing right well we still we still have you know matt and carlota but we'll get to that uh <laughs> thankfully there isn't a whole lot of that in this episode um but let's let's continue on the the landry train here because uh we started out with that we might as well keep going um so I have a couple of clips here, which I'm going to play back to back. It's uh, the scene where Landry's father uh, comes in to talk to Landry and uh, also the scene where Tyra speaks to Landry and he, you know, he asks her about uh, you know whether she felt she was in danger. So I'm going to play these back to back and then we're going to discuss the scenes and uh, why they are... Uh, being thrown together here because I think they tie in together based on the um, 
the, the uh, Tyra and her father and, and the reasons they have for saying what they say to Landry. So here is, are the clips back to back. Landry. Son, can you turn off the music? I just want to talk. Look, I realize that you're mad. I realize that I'm, I'm that not you don't, mad at you. That Landry. you don't think I can handle the consequences. No, I can't handle it. If you go to prison, it'll break my heart. And it'll completely well, destroy I'm not, I'm not your mother. Lie about this, Dad. Why is it a lie? You didn't even know the man was there until you heard Tyra screaming, and then when you came out, he, he was attacking her. What about the fact that he was walking away? Where does that come into play? Didn't you try to save him? That's what you told me. Son, this man raped five other young women. You and Tyra were fearful for your own lives. This was self-defense. I feel like I'm choosing between jail or hell. Will you please just, will you please just tell me the truth? Were you in fear for your life? Were you honestly in fear for your life, Ty? Yes. Yes. He would have raped me. He could could have killed me. If you hadn't been there, you saved me. Okay, so we have these two clips. We have, of course, Landry's father coming in, he sits down, he talks to Landry, we hear him, you know, tell him that he just, he would not make it if Landry went to prison. He couldn't accept it, he couldn't deal with it. Uh, he literally would be a, a dead man walking in a lot of ways. He would be a zombie. Um, so there's that. And then, of course, we have the Tyra scene where he asks her, were you in fear for, fear for your life? And he wants the honest answer. And to be on, to be honest, I honestly I, I do feel like this was true for her. I didn't I didn't feel like in a way she was necessarily lying. Although I do think that she she definitely wanted to make sure that Landry knew that for certain because she had to she has to say what she needs to say regardless of whether it's true or not because there is an ulterior motive here because Tyra and Landry's father, they are kind of working together in a way, right? Because early in the episode, we see Landry's father, she, you know, he goes, he talks to Tyra, he tells her what Landry did, that he went in and he confessed. And then we get that, that really great scene where she confronts him while he's mowing the lawn. Um, and he is very honest. He says, look, I, I can't, I couldn't do it anymore. I just, I, I can't lie anymore. I can't do it. 
And I like how she had no answer for that, which I thought was great. But because of that scene where he, you know they sat and they talked and he told uh, Tyro what Landry did, even though I don't think that they necessarily sat down and hatched some plan together, I do think that they are both working towards the same goal with both of these scenes, which is I need to tell Landry that as Tyra says, I need to tell Landry that I was in fear for my life, that he saved my life. I need to make sure that he knows that what he did was okay. And Landry's father was imparting on the fact that, you know, he isn't going to be able to live if he's in jail, which puts Landry in a tough situation. Yeah. I I got the sense that Tyra was not i agree with you she wasn't lying it was it was true that she was in fear for her life but in that moment where uh, where landry killed him i i think that's where she hesitates that she wasn't in fear for her life in that moment it was an altercation <clears throat> but he, but she wasn't actually like in danger in that moment with landry because the guy was walking away so i think that's where the hesitation comes in and i think landry can is smart enough and knows Tyra enough to know that she's not lying to protect herself. She's lying to protect, she's not well, even lying, but she's embellishing to protect him. And her life would be much different if he, he wasn't in it. And I think that's why he does it is because he actually sees Tyra does care about him. And what she was really lying about was breaking up with him. Right, and I think I think he's beginning to see some of the things in retrospect that have been happening lately. Obviously, he now understands, I think, that his father is really probably the one responsible for the breakup, right? I mean, I know he asks he asked Tyra uh, point blank if, if his father had talked to her about, you know, the relationship a few episodes back, and, he, and she said no. So, you know, there was a lie there and now he's he's seeing that lie so he now understands that what happened was her trying to distance herself from him for his own good uh for everybody's own good and i th- i think you're right she embellishes here because she feels it's necessary exactly it's the only way to save his life and obviously both of these people have ulterior motives you know, Landry's father wants his son safe and at home. Tyra wants Landry safe and nearby, you know, near her. And uh, so I, I like that. I think it's really good. Yes. And hopefully by next episode, we can get them back together. Because <laughs> right. I don't like them apart. <laughs> well, you know, I, I like the scene at the very end where... They come together again. He he informs her that they're not pressing charges. I have questions about this, though. Um, okay. The not pressing charges. Is that the police that have decided that they're not going to press charges against him? Or is it his this guy's family that's decided not to press charges against Landry? I, th- I think, I think, you know, I cannot say 100% certain, but I think it's the family. I okay. think it's the, I think it's their family. I mean... Considering his crimes, uh, crimes that they know for sure outside of Tyra that he had committed, because this was Tyra wasn't the first woman that he had he had raped. 
So apart from Tyra, he is still, you know, guilty of a multitude of other, you know, rapes. So I think in this situation, even though they've they come to understand that maybe there is a chance that the confrontation between Tyra and him and, and Landry being involved resulted in his death and, and, and all that, I think they're and this is just my guess, I feel like they're just accepting that what happened may there may have been a way that he could still be alive, but at the same time I, I just feel like they're kind of understanding that considering the situation and the way it played out, they're not going to fight it. They understand that, why he did it. And right. That he's just a kid and that this is a kind of a way of apologizing for their family member and what he's done, I guess. Right. Right. So, yeah, there's that. and um, I can accept that. I, yeah, I couldn't yeah. accept that the police would do that because that would just be insanity. But I can accept that the family would not press charges. Well, you know, in terms of the police, and we could talk about that for a second. Um, I wanted to bring this up, and I'm glad you mentioned it because I, I forgot about it till now. You know, if you look at that opening scene, if we go back there, we have the police officer. He's literally coming out to Landry's father and saying, look, he's not doing himself any favors. <laughs> we're, we're, I'm yeah. trying. I'm trying to help him out here. And, and, I, and I think I, – I think – in this situation, when you have the son of a police officer, he's not a bad kid. These, you know, officers will help other officers out. They'll cut people break, you know, breaks. I think in this situation, it's a little different. I think they would they want to do everything they can to help Landry out because I think ultimately they know why he did it, you know, regardless of the circumstances. You know, that's what they're saying. He's not helping himself out. We're, we're trying to help him out here and he is not <laughs> doing himself any favors. So because what they want him to say is, you know, oh, because uh, when the cop's like, oh, well, you know, because she, she was in danger. Right. You know, you say, you know, you had to save her life. It's because, you know, he's trying to feed Landry an excuse. And the correct the correct way to phrase uh, his confession. Right. Right. So. Yeah. So the, look, that's what's going on here, and I feel like uh, you have Landry, who's just not cooperating, and this officer's doing everything he can to help him out, and he's just not taking the opportunities that, that are being presented. Um, but anyway, back to the whole Landry and Tyra thing. At the very end, when he informs her that you know there's the, the charges are not being pressed against him, and he's essentially a free man, and she is so relieved. And I gotta tell you. I mean, great acting from both parties in, in this episode. Um, yeah, it's she, that relief that they get to go back on with their lives now. Yeah, but but when they embrace, when they hug, mm -hmm. the look on Landry's face is not. It it's. I'm not going to jail, but I'll never be the same. Exactly. He'll never be. You know, everyone else might be giving him an excuse, but he knows what happened that night. He knows the exact circumstances, why he picked up that rod, why he swung it, and he can't escape from it, even if other people want to give him an excuse and an escape route uh, from the truth. Yeah, he knows he did it because that man deserved it and nothing more. In his mind, I mean, like he was walking away and he did it because he didn't want him to come after Tyra again and he was going to make sure he didn't get, come after Tyra ever again. 
Exactly. And that was picking it up and smacking him in the head. And yeah, so that's yeah. why it happened. Pure murder, but for a good reason. Yeah, for a good reason. <laughs> so uh, what did you think about Jason Street and P? Oh, like when that woman spoke those words, I was like, because the whole time I'm like, no woman who's not handicapped herself puts that on a handicapped website unless there's a weird freaky fetish involved. That was my first thought. And I knew it the second she said, like, I, I knew it. <laughs> She's a freak. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I remember the first time I watched this episode and when she said, you know, what gets me going? Like, yeah. Um, pee. Wheelchairs. Yeah. Right. <laughs> my first thought's like, uh, probably wheelchairs since you posted on a wheelchair site. Yeah. Like I could see, like, I, I enjoy, you know, yeah. Wheelchairs or something, some handicap aspect, uh, some aspect of a person who is handicapped. But, you know, when she says P, it's like, what? Okay. Yeah, like, um, uh, that was like out of left field. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, I got to make a confession here. Um, and I don't know why. This is not the first time I've done this. But, right, so you know how you were asking me, I don't know, a few episodes back about the the girl that um, – jason had had slept with the the tattoo girl yeah um and whether or not we'd see her again don't ask me why because they don't bear any resemblance whatsoever but i always get these two mixed up as like they're the same people (laughs) right so the girl that the girl that that he you know he meets in the restaurant the waitress Mm -hmm. she does look like her though a little bit there's a vibe if she had glasses and blonde hair, I, I I wouldn't feel bad about it. But she has red hair and no glasses, and it, yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, no. Uh, as far as I can recall, I do not believe we will ever see that girl again. So sorry. <laughs> however, however, this kind waitress who takes you know being water being thrown in her face yeah. uh, because P girl decides that uh, you know how dare you. <laughs> How dare you say he just left me? Like, what's he supposed to do? I drove him here, like, wheel away? Like, bitch, I'd wheel away from you, too. (laughs) I'd do more than that. Gee whiz. This is weird. Um, It's one thing to have a weird fetish. Like, whatever. People is into what they're into. But to be bitchy and rude to an innocent waitress, like, yeah, you're a pretty awful person. You can go away. (laughs) Yeah. So she gives uh, Jason a ride. Right, and they have this nice conversation, and I think that's where the resemblance between her and the other girl. That's probably why I get them confused because there's this very, like this, this instant connection between the two. It seems like, yeah, um, they get to bond over a bad experience immediately. <laughs> like it's kind of it, cute. <laughs> and again, I think this comes down to what we've talked about before, which is I I think with the show that always on the perennial bubble in regards to getting renewed the other the actress probably just you know had to move on because she needed you know to get a job you know need to get more acting yeah jobs and so we have a situation here where she probably would have loved to stay on the show but it was she just couldn't she just you know like i can't stick around for a possibility of being back in the show so you know i gotta move on and so I, I think in a way and i can't say this for certain because i have no insider knowledge i, I don't ever recall reading a, an article or anything but i bet you that 
you know, this waitress and the the tattoo girl, they're kind of not the same, but they're functioning in, in, in the same role where I think the waitress is a really a continuation of the storyline they wanted to pick up on, you know, with the tattoo girl. So. Yeah, like I feel like it's just their way of uh, incorporating that character back into the story without actually having that character. Right, right. So, uh, and it appears, based on what we know, that uh, Jason was, you know, having some fun or something. And what Landry is to Matt, Herc is to Jason with bad ideas. <laughs> Oh, I know he is. He is. You're right. You know, because we talk about how Landry is always giving Matt the worst advice in the world because his, well, he just gives the worst advice, but, <laughs> but you're right. Herc does the same thing. You are so correct. I never even thought about that before, but you're right. You know, he's like the best friend who gives you advice and you should literally do the opposite of everything he tells you. <laughs> like, no, don't go on a weird website. What's wrong with you? Like, you know, better Jason, like, you don't have to go onto weed reps. You, there's Tinder. It's normal. And people will still swipe right for you. Trust me. <laughs> right. Well, to, to be fair, to be fair, you know, Tinder didn't exist at the time. However, I guess that's yeah. true. God. Yeah. I feel yeah. old. <laughs> when you exist right. before Tinder and before Facebook. Wow. Okay. You know, I, you know, got to think when this uh, second season of this show was the year that the iPhone came out that's 2007 so ouch <laughs> it's <Yeah>. just so old oh <laughs> uh, yeah you know that old show you know the one where <laughs> it's before smartphones it started before <sighs> smartphones ha. <laughs> i remember uh, life before social media <laughs> i remember life before the internet wow so. that's really <laughs> Yes, I had a childhood that didn't have the internet. Thank you. I didn't so. have the internet until I was 13, but it still existed, and I knew of it. I like... mean, it, it technically existed, but... You it know, wasn't a household thing when you right, were a kid. Right, right. I mean, the internet really didn't start to spread until 93. Yeah. You know? So I was 11. We didn't get it until, like, 97, 96, maybe, 96, 97. So, yeah, I mean... I grew up when I when I was growing up for a good portion of my childhood, um, especially before I hit my mid-teens. I mean, the internet was. I mean, even if I'd heard of it, it wasn't anything that I had, and so like my days were playing video games, watching movies, and playing with my friends outside. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, so. Um, yeah. yeah, my parents were real good about kicking me out of the house for the entire day to go outside and play. Like my childhood was definitely outside. We didn't have internet till I was a teenager, so I still had like that normal childhood before. Like nowadays, everyone's just a freaking toddler has an iPad and I don't. Like it's not fair. <laughs> I know. Why don't you just like go all Matrix and just jack them right into the internet? You know, <laughs> just just connect their connect their in the back of their neck. Just just plug them into the internet. You know. Yeah, when, like, my five-year-old nephew knows more about computers than I do. It's just not fair. Yeah, it is It's not sad. right. It is sad um, <laughs> for all of us. But, um, yeah, so anyway, so let's get, I guess we get back to Jason. <laughs> digress. Uh, I digress. Um, 
So yeah, so Jason and and her, you know the two of them appeared to sleep together, and there was this you know nice kiss at the the morning after after she drops him off at the house. He goes inside and he gets uh, you know good the, talking to. Well, you know, he didn't call. They're worried sick, of course. He's got a disability, right? I mean, that just makes sense. It, it's not the same necessarily. If Jason wasn't paralyzed, if he doesn't in an accident, and this was just him out late, they probably wouldn't even care. Yeah, but I, I doubt is, they'd care. This is a little different because you are dealing with somebody who has a disability. What if he, you know, had lost his balance and was laying on the side of a road somewhere or... Help, Hurt, I've fallen you know. and I can't get up. <laughs> right. Yes, well, in that case, that actually makes a whole lot of sense. And <laughs> I'd feel, uh, you know, really bad for for Jason if, if he was on the side of a road or whatever. I mean, who knows? But I understand their fears, which are, you know, my son is in a wheelchair. There are so many things that could happen to him, and he's not home, you know. So he, he deserved a good tongue lashing, I think. But... Um, I liked his response, which is, you know, you're right. Um, that was inexcusable. It'll never happen again. I'm moving in with her. <laughs> <laughs> Just that added in there, like, yeah, I understand. Yeah, I'm moving out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but how much better is it going to be with her? <laughs> it's going to be interesting. That's that's for damn sure. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing life with Jason living with her. That's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. Um, is there anything else regarding Jason that we want to talk about before we, we move on to a different character? Mm, I, I don't think it. so. I think that's all he had that yeah. episode. There was that, that scene with Lila where she came by and it, you know she found out he was going <laughs> on a date. And I felt like you know this was nice in a way because there was no jealousy there. You know, she didn't. Her hackles didn't get raised or anything. <laughs> you know, she actually seemed pretty amused by it. Mm-hmm. So it that's kind of nice. I feel like we're finally fully out of that territory, thankfully. Uh, you know, where there's there's no animosity between the two of them at all. Um, nobody's getting jealous of, of the other person if there was somebody or whatever. And I think this scene really illustrated how far they've come as simply two people who were once romantically involved. They're not now. And that's okay. Yeah, I liked it. You know, she wasn't, you know, snide or snarky or anything like that. It was just kind of, it was comfortable. I appreciated that. Yes, I did. I, I did appreciate that. So, um, let's see, who else do you want? Who else do you want to talk about? We can just pick somebody that you'd like to talk about in this episode. Uh, we should just get Julie out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what are you trying to say? Uh, it's like ripping off a band-aid with julie (laughs) just it's gonna be painful but just get it out of the way (laughs) okay all right all right so uh let's let's kind of go in chronological order here so uh, she goes to well i guess to start up the episode you know they're they're taught doing some uh um, baptism for for gracie and uh Tammy tells Julie that, you know, she needs her help. You know, they got all this family coming in, all these, you know, preparations in the house and all that stuff. She needs Julie to, you know, pick up some slack and really help her out. Which she does none of. Which she does none of. She goes to her father. She says that she's, you know, afraid that she can't do anything right. 
that everything, every time she does anything that she just gets yelled at because, you know, her mom just doesn't think she can do anything correctly. Despite not trying or doing anything at all in the first place. Right. So Eric informs Tammy of this, which she's incredulous, right? And then Tammy and and her both get into this massive fight uh, the next day. And what did you think about this fight? Uh, I think that Tammy is in the right and Julie is has like suffered a blow to the head or something like that to think that she's entitled to a thank you at all because she hasn't lifted a single finger in helping out with Tammy or Gracie. And in fact, when Tammy came home with a newborn, she did absolutely nothing. Just went off with the Swede and left the house like in shambles. Like, just want to kick her. <laughs> right. It, you know what? I agree. I, I definitely agree. I know some people have defended Julie in this scene. Uh, I don't understand how. It doesn't make any sense to me. Because like, I, I, I... Yeah, go ahead. I, I think she's right about Noah. She has the right to have a have him as a friend. That I'm sure, on Julie's side. I agree side, with but that, yes. that's where the line is drawn. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. Well, in regards to everything else, I think she is totally in the wrong. Like you said, when they came home from the hospital... Julie hadn't done anything, right? And all that time that Eric was gone, you know, like you said, Julie was just in and out of the house, uh, you know, with the Swede, doing, you know, she wasn't helping with Gracie. She wasn't helping around the house. I mean, it was it was left to Tammy to do everything all by herself. Uh, it's bad enough that Eric wasn't around, but then, you know, you have your own daughter, doesn't even help you around the house, doesn't help take care of the baby. Let's not pick up the slack when when you need it the most, and uh, you know some you know some of the grievances that she has, yeah okay maybe one or two you know maybe there's some merit to you know to to some of them, um, it, of course it is her point of view but but for the most part I feel like she's making it out to be a lot worse than it really is in terms of what Tammy has done or not done for her and. I totally agree with you. Tammy is the one that needs to thank you. Yeah. She's the one like, Julie should tell Tammy to take the night off and she'll clean the house and everything, do something nice. And then I would be happy with her again. But I just see zero effort from Julie. There's no reason that she deserves any kind of, you know, praise or anything like that from Tammy. Right, and we get that nice scene, in, you know, towards the end of the episode. Because they have this giant blow up, things get said, and then they finally sit down and have a conversation. And it actually proved to be pretty good. Where Tammy, you know, said, I-, "I want my, I want my daughter back. You know, I want my family back." As do we all. <laughs> right, and and I understand, you know. Like we, she understands that Julie is, is getting older, right? I mean, this isn't, look, on one hand, we want Julie to just go back to being, you know, the, the sweet girl from early in season one. But at the same time, we have to resign ourselves to the fact that she isn't the same person because she is getting older. She's not the, the meek, um, bookworm just sitting by herself in a cafeteria at lunchtime. You know, she's now dated a couple guys and she is getting older. You know, she's she's just growing up. And uh, 
you know, so she's not a perfect person. She's not uh, a saint in any way. Obviously, we know that. Um, but I, I respect them giving Julie some warts, I guess, and not backing away from that. Yeah, like, it's good that they're... But I think that is where I have the problem as well, is that, yeah, they stuck to her you know, taking this path, but now they're trying to say that she's done all this and she's done any good and deserves, you know, to have equal ground with her mother. No, <laughs> I don't. I think she still needs to be like, she hasn't even been rightfully punished, grounded, nothing. And there's just zero manners coming out of her mouth ever. I would ground her until she learned manners. You know, it just it bothers me so much. Yeah, I th- I I appreciate the journey in that they're not backing down from from showing her to be kind of a brat lately in this uh, this season. She's been pretty bratty. Uh, I don't think it's beyond the writers. I think they know this. Uh, this is by no means I think an accident. They're doing this on purpose. This is, um, you know, it's partially it's the common thing, common trope. We all go through it, you know, where we're getting older, we're a teenager. We don't need our parents to to hold our hand on everything we want to start doing for ourselves. That also means sometimes stumbling and falling and not having somebody to catch you, you know, making mistakes and learning from them. So I I feel like um, what they're doing here is they're, they're kind of doing that for Julie where they're saying, hey, look. You know, she was so nice and wonderful in season one, but it's season two now and she's growing up, she's getting older and she's starting to, you know, voice her own opinion and you know, take stances on, on things and, and be her own person. And sometimes that means being a bit combative. And look, Tammy doesn't deserve this. I don't think Tammy's perfect by, you know, by any means either. I think she's done some stupid things. I think she's... Uh, specifically with Noah, I think that yeah. was terrible. I understand. Close the door. It yeah. still bothers me. <laughs> I, I understand the sentiment. I understand the concern. You know, like I think, you know, if it, if a teacher's going to talk to you know, a kid, um, I certainly think that they should probably do so, you know, with the door open maybe too. But, but regardless of how things went down with Noah, ultimately he is a teacher and he was he was doing what he thought was right there. And not doing anything wrong. So, yeah, she's done wrong there. She's not perfect. She's made some mistakes too. But it feels like Julie's just like letting her have it for all the perceived slights that she's, you know, endured for the last, you know, four or five months. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. (sighs) But yeah, other than that, I don't... I like the way it ended, but... Getting to that nice ending moment was a bit painful. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was painful. Uh, nice parting image. The the baptism with Gracie was nice, and you know, yeah, it was, it was a nice last image. For that. Yeah, it was you know sweet seeing them all dressed up and having this sweet moment where you baptize your child. And, and I always love that church they're in. There's that ceiling on the wall where it has a blue stained glass. I mean, it's very pretty. I always like seeing it. Oh yeah. It's really nice. It's it's a really nice place. It's just, it, it's very pretty. The, the sun comes in, the light comes in. Really it's has, shot very well. 
It's wonderful colors because of the the glass and all that. So yeah, it's great. Um, who else do we want to talk about? Do we want to talk about? I guess we can talk about Matt and Carlota. Uh, mm, the other bandaid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Let's just let's just do it. Um. So Matt's virginity is now gone. <laughs> yeah, Matt. Matt has uh, passed that, and. Uh, He's now a man, apparently. Apparently, that's that's what makes you a man. So, sure. he's he's, <laughs> uh, yeah. That that once that's done, you are a man. You are definitely, you know, yeah. I think Matt was way more of a man before this night, taking care of his grandmother all by himself and stuff like that. I think this is a point against him. Now. Right? Does this, does this drag him back a little bit? You know? Right. It's like now he's being a teenager. Uh, yeah. Somebody else is take care of his grandmother, and he's sometimes he's got a bit of attitude and ego. And Matt's also, you know, growing and getting older. Right, and we have to expect that. And it's one thing if uh, they're growing and they're changing um, in ways that are not realistic, but. In regards to to Matt and Julie, it's it's believable, even if it's sometimes not fun to watch them <laughs> growing the way they are. You know, with Matt, you're right. There's a little bit of swagger there, you know, where he didn't he didn't used to have that at all. But now there's a little bit of that there. Um, with Carlota, I I I still don't like it. I just I'm just waiting for it to be over. <laughs> I. It's just it's it's annoying because part of me knows you know full well like this is not a relationship to last, and I think we both knew that from the outset, right? Oh this yeah. Is, you know not, so it's just an annoying you know thing we have to deal with where, regardless of you know who he dates next, it's like you know this is just a, a stopgap, you know. It's kind of like watching Hannibal and Alana where we know it's not going to remain and it's not what is supposed to happen and it's just kind of painful yes painful to watch and just you know uncomfortable so there's lovely alana hannibal uh sex scenes in slow motion the, all the different ways brian fuller likes to show us weird scenes yeah uh yeah, it's pretty bad. But anyway, yeah. yeah look for the for the Matt and Carlota scenes. Uh, it's just it just doesn't feel right. And you know, she comes nope. into his workplace, gives her a free ice cream or something, and they flirt a little bit or whatever. And it's just it's just so annoying. Yeah. Yep. And just smash. You know. Also being like giving ribbing him and you know adding to you know the their relationship no she's hot and blah blah, blah. like oh, just sure but not for matt <laughs> yeah it, it's not a good pairing because just be, just because she showed him how to dance and make they make mole together does not make them a great couple you know there's no there's no real chemistry there that's probably look it'd be one thing if there was some seriously hot chemistry between the actress and the actor, you know, between the two of them, but they don't have that. No, there's no connection, know? nothing. And so, you know, sometimes that that connection off screen can really translate on screen. You've seen that in movies, other movies, um, where it's like, wow, you know, that that's that's kind of you know a hot scene because you know whether it's a sex scene or whatever it is, 
if the two actors are really, you know, emotionally engaged and physically engaged with each other or, you know, you have a connection um, for a scene like that, it really can make the difference. And with these scenes here, you have these two people that are apparently starting out a relationship between each other. And what we get is these tepid kind of, I don't know, half-baked moments between these two where it doesn't really feel like, you know, it's earned in any way because there's no connection, no chemistry. Yeah, exactly. Like, and we're not even asking for, you know, a connection like Ethan Hawke and Julie Depley, but something, you know, just a spark would be, you know, enough to keep this relationship, you know, at least interesting, but it's not, it just, it falls so flat. Yeah, it does. Uh, so sorry, Matt Saracen, not a good, week. <laughs> not a good week for you. Not a good week for you on Friday Night Lights. No. Uh, okay, so let's talk about Santiago and uh, things that go on with him in this episode. We get a little more depth for Santiago. I thought, I thought actually, this is the first episode where I was actually invested in his character in any way. <sighs> I don't know how I felt about it. Um, okay. It was just, it seemed like that anger was like, I understand like where they're trying to show us it came from, but it was just so sudden and just, he melts down so quickly that we don't get to see much of a buildup, you know? Well, I think the way, the way this actually happens is because he overhears, he overhears the, everybody talking him up and about like, I think he overhears, uh, Eric and Buddy talking about him and all of a sudden there are expectations for him and I think that's what leads to this blow up because before I mean before it wasn't there was no expectations he was just going to be on the team now it's like all of a sudden he has like he's supposed to be like this game-changing player for them or something and I think that's what leads to the blow up because he actually has to risk something by going out there. And so I think that's the impetus for all of this is he's afraid. He's scared. He's scared of not measuring up to the other players on the field. He's, he's scared of letting, letting people down, uh, including buddy. And of course, uh, coach Taylor, I just think the expectations are, are something he can't deal with. And so he blows up in the car over that. That's why. Okay. I can, I can understand that. That's understandable. Uh, I guess it was just like such a weird blow up too, but I guess like from where he's from, you know, that kind of harsh world, that kind of talking and attitude is justifiable. Yeah. Cause it just seems yeah. so weird. Yeah. It, you know, he overhears them and then he starts getting, you know, very afraid. And then he has those bad practices and Eric's like, you know, I don't, I don't know if this kid's even going to be worth it. And, uh, you know, so then, you know, they're at home and, and, you know, Buddy's quizzing him on, you know, the plays and he's getting things wrong where, you know, before, like, he wasn't, you know, obviously th what he's doing now, he's trying to sabotage everything so that he doesn't have to let himself or anybody else down. Uh, so it it's one of those situations, I think, so. Yeah, um, and I think also, like, he's finally realizing that there's so much pressure on him, not just with football, but not not only does he have football, but he also has school. 
and wanting to do well in school and you know, have a life for himself, but also being able to carry football, not just playing it and dedicating time to playing it, but to actually helping the team and being a part of a team. That is a lot of pressure. Yeah, and, and Buddy has some nice scenes in this episode. Um, I actually liked him this yeah, episode. He he is a, he is uh, honest and maybe a, a little brutal with Santiago after that meltdown in the car, um, but he's also supportive. It's a nice it's a nice direction for for Buddy to go in. I think we can all agree that his initial reasons for taking in Santiago were primarily just to help out the football team. Um, but I think what we're seeing here is the fact that there's more to it than that. You know, he genuinely is, likes this kid and it's now not just about the football team. It's also about him, about being, you know, a a good, you know, guardian or whatever for this kid and somebody that, you know, he can look up in the stands and see me there and be proud you know, to play for the team and I'm proud to watch him play. So that I think is, is more of the motivation now. It's not just about football. It's, it's also, it's to like, you know, giving Santiago a chance, a real chance. Yeah. And showing, you know, some form of, you know, parental care <laughs> that Santiago has probably never had in his life. Oh, no, he hasn't had it for, a long time, if ever. So yeah. yeah, this for him, and it might be the first time he's ever had that, any kind of structure, um, any kind of support system. So definitely. Yeah. All right. And Santiago ends up uh, kind of saving the game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he does. And I love how they film this because, you know, he goes out in the field and he is so nervous that for the first thing, couple of plays, he's just – for maybe the first three or four plays, he's just getting battered and beaten around, you know, kind of like Matt on his first time out. Right. And and then after he gets knocked down a few times, the one linebacker says, you know, something like stay down, you know, you come at me again, you know, kick your ass or something like that. Yeah, and that registers. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden that it's almost like that's the the spark that he needed. He gets up and he starts to focus and that leads to you know to him sacking the quarterback and causing yeah, a, putting a, his yeah. anger to the game and not to you know anyone outside the game right yeah he can utilize it to his strength right so yeah it was a really great scene i liked uh, how they played that out uh so good work there um yeah from everybody involved because it was just a well done scene it showed santiago has some talent it also shows uh, Santiago that Buddy's always going to be there for him. He's someone he can count on. Yeah, absolutely. And I do love that, you know, we finally see kind of a father-like figure from Buddy. And, like, not just not just trying to you know, look towards the team, but actually look out for Santiago himself. Precisely. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, what about Tim? So Tim goes through. Oh my Tim, god! Tim goes through a bit of the ringer in this episode. I hate ferret guy. So yeah, so uh, Tim forgets to to feed the ferrets, which leads a shotgun being oh. put in his face. Uh, um, my heart just like sank. It was like it got so serious so quickly. Yeah, and uh, Tim hightails it out of there. He's like, "Screw this! Some guy puts a 
shotgun to my head uh, for the flimsiest of reasons. I'm not sticking around. Um, yeah. So I was surprised he went back there, period. When I when he went back to the team, I just figured that, hey, he smartened up and went back to his brother's house. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> He's still staying, you know, wherever he can find it. And uh, that leads him to. Well, first things first is beyond that, he's he's back on the team, but and I'm glad that they have Eric not just making that th- this easy thing for him. Like, oh, okay, just because you walked around, you said sorry to a few of the your teammates that everything is okay. You know, that's that'll get you back on the team, but you've got more work to do to get out of the doghouse, and that means pretty much doing whatever I tell you to do. You know, laundry and cleaning, yeah. all this good stuff. Laundry, cleaning, and then you know he's helping out with the uh, the female gymnastics. Um, you know, doing whatever they need doing. Check, you know, putting up the score for each each uh, you know routine or, or jump or whatever whatever they do for the gymnastics there. And uh, yeah, it's <laughs> I love I love the scene. I love that scene where Eric is standing there and he asks how he's doing. And he in Tim, straight faced, just starts talking about how the girl just got an eight point six and she's not landing her jumps or something. And it, you know, it's like, like he actually has been taking in, you know, what's going on, and he's actually present, you know, for it. He's he's not just. Yeah, it sounds like a judge or like um a really competitive uh, gymnast mom. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. I like I like how that uh, that worked. So it was good. Yeah, I like when Tim like commits to something or is forced to at least commit to something. He actually does it, <laughs> and yeah, I I do love those facts that he gets to actually enjoy what he's doing sometimes. Yeah. Um. So then we have we have Tim after he escapes that place. Uh, you know, he t- he tells Ferret guy, you know, Ferret guy comes by practice, and you know. God, but, yeah, what a creep. Yeah, he is. He is creepy. But anyway, um, so Tim, you know, he decides to sleep outside the Taylor's house. Mm-hmm. Safe place. And and you know, Tammy alerts Eric to the fact that, that Tim's sleeping in his vehicle outside <laughs> on the on the street. And so Eric lets him into the garage, gives him a back or a sleeping bag, and you know, we get the sense that maybe he'll be staying with the Taylors for a little bit. Yeah, like because their house isn't crowded enough. No, of course <laughs> With not. her sister there, a new baby, an angsty teen, and your football coach, <laughs> like right. enjoy. Right. So, yeah, that pretty much ends the episode between that those two, and, and you know we'll see how things play out uh, moving forward with, you know, with with you know another guy in the household now, you know, which has got to be a lot of fun for Eric. <laughs> If Tim starts dating Julie, I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> it's going to be like twice as painful. I'm not going to tell you anything. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, Is there any, anybody else that we need to cover in this episode? I'm trying to think if there's anything that we haven't uh, gone over yet. I feel like we did miss somebody, but I can't <laughs> think. Uh, I mean, we didn't really talk specifically about Tammy or Eric, but I felt like there were supporting characters in the storylines more this week. You yeah, know? they definitely were. I mean, Tammy, of course, had her you know stuff too, but mostly uh, she was just kind of facilitating you know other characters' interactions. So, you know, 
Um, yeah, I can't think of anybody else. No, I, I can't think of anybody else either. Somebody can learn us if we're getting something uh, wrong here for forgetting somebody's storyline, but I think that's pretty much everybody of note. Yeah, we didn't get anything specifically with Lila. We just got that supporting scene with with Jason. Um, I don't think... I think we got everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think so. I can't think of anybody else. And, yeah. Alright, so uh, what were your thoughts on this episode after it was all said and done? And give me your grade after that. I felt like this was this episode was definitely uh, a step forward. Um, it finally felt like we weren't just like waiting in water. We were actually, you know, taking a dive into something new and actually progressing with the story. Um, especially with Landry, like it's been so many episodes. It's been a long time coming to have some kind of resolution, and especially to have one in you know that's in his favor, one that he can live with. Uh, it'll be it'll be with him forever, but he can at least live with it, knowing that you know he at least confessed, tried his best, and the outcome makes Tyra happy, makes Landry happy. So I did like that. Um, I really hope we never see Ferret Guy again because it's just awful every time we have to see him. Uh, and Tim smartens the hell up. <laughs> like just go back to your brother's house. It's not that big of a deal, Tim. But whatever. Um, but yeah, I love that. Um, I love all the stuff with Tammy and Julie. Um, I love that there's starting to be some resolution and some mending between them. Because watching them fight is just so painful and (laughs) heartbreaking. They had such a good relationship before that you want to see it return. Um, But it's definitely a step forward this episode. So I have to give it a B plus, I think. Okay. I mean, that's a fair, you know, summation of, you know, the highs and the lows of this episode. Um, I, I, I think the, I think the storyline between Tyra and uh, Landry in this whole, you know, murder thing, look, we can all agree. It wasn't the best storyline from the get go. <laughs> uh, the writers have obviously have since come out uh, long ago and apologized for, you know, putting this albatross, hanging this albatross around the neck of, of the show. I really feel like to a certain extent, it's really pulled the show down this season a little bit. But I will say this. If there needs to be some kind of silver lining for this whole storyline, it is the interaction and the progression of the relationship between Landry and Tyra. That's the one really good aspect because despite the stu- you know the stupidity uh, the murder and and the the melodrama of doing something like this for a show that keeps itself pretty grounded overall, they managed to make lemonade out of lemons, <laughs> I think um, <laughs> because the the Landry and you could argue that the Landry Tyra stuff may never have happened had this thing not occurred because it forced them to come together and this heightened state of just emotional, just anguish and pain and, and guilt and, and all of it. I mean, it's just this heady mixture of emotion, which is kind of what allowed 
this relationship to progress because they suddenly felt like they had a connection that they didn't have with anybody else. And they couldn't, of course, talk about this with anybody else. And so that, I think, is is really good. Um, so I look at it like this. At the very least, at le- you know, at least we get a good, you know, relationship between these two that is built on some pretty solid stuff, even if what it was built on was a pile of garbage. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I.e. the the murder stuff. But I think yeah. we're now finally clear of the murder stuff. I think that, I think this is it. So. You know, after this, I'll be interested to see exactly how their relationship goes now that they don't have to be forced together together because of the fact that they killed somebody and dumped their body. <laughs> so it's so weird just to say that in a sentence with the Tyrone right. Landry relationship, right? Well, it's, it's 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 sad to say that you know, in regards to the show, because it's built on you know this this concept of this town viewed in the prism of how football is important to everybody that lives here and how that literally is their entire life. And then to take that premise and now we're going to have somebody commit murder and dump a body and cover it up. I mean, it it just sounds like it shouldn't be on the same show. That just shows you how out of uh, far out of left field that they went to to get this really terrible storyline. But... <laughs> They made the best of it, and and I'm glad they didn't just drop it, because I think in a lot of ways what would have made this worse is if they were like, oh shit, this is a terrible storyline. <laughs> I cannot believe we did this. Why did we think this was gonna work? Why do we think this is a good idea? We yeah, we need to drop this. Nobody likes it. We need to drop it like next episode. And I'm just glad. Just it under the rug. I'm glad that they didn't do that. As bad as it is, I think they did the best they could and they had to just follow the progression of everything that happens, you know, after the murder. And yeah, so I, I like what they did there. So, yeah. Um, I wonder if, uh, now that it's all out and about and, you know, they recovered that guy's body. If Landry would be like, Hey, did you find my watch? On that guy? No. <laughs> uh, not that I recall. <laughs> Um, I just want that to come up again. <laughs> right. Like, can I have my watch back, please? Uh, it's kind of <laughs> sentimental value. Um, yeah. So, look, I I like the um, I like the Tim stuff in this episode. I, I like pretty much everything else except for the the Matt and Carlota stuff. I mean, just terrible. It's bad. Um, <laughs> bad stuff. I don't I don't like it. It's just not good. But anyway, uh, I have to give it the same grade. I think a B plus is is pretty deserving here. I think it's a good episode. It has a few issues, of course, but it's just really solid across the board for the most part, and it really gives us a few stand a few. Uh, nah, let me say that again. It gives us a few <laughs> standout scenes that really make everything worth it that we've had to endure. So uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, I got to give it a B plus and. You know, we're, I think we're on the upswing now in terms of how good these episodes are going to be. Yeah, I agree with that. So that's our reviews. And if you would like to contribute to your own opinions or would just like to write us in general, uh, send a voicemail, whatever, you can send it to uh, freakinggeeksmedia@gmail.com. We also have our website, uh, freakinggeeks.com. 
Um, we are also out in Twitterverse, you know, at Freak Geeks Media. Uh, I'm at Labyrinth Rose. Michael is at Michael underscore Lenick. And we also have our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Freaking Geeks, if you want to check out the content on there. Okay. And yeah. <laughs> I guess that's it this uh, week for our episode and our review. Uh, check in next week for, of course, another episode, and we'll, we'll see where everybody's uh, storylines are heading. Until next time, uh, have a good one and uh, clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't, can't lose. lose. All right, everyone. Have a good week. Have a good night. <laughs>